Hello everyone and welcome to Life of Brian dot 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 Mannix that is. It's 2022. Thanks to Mercots, that's Mercots Driving Excellence, uh, mercots.edu.au. Give them a call on 1300 555 576. Brian Mannix, it is time in 2022 to start again. Start again Cause fortune is elusive Like a mirage in the sand And I will I'll be happy Start again Some of us need assurance And some are helping hand But I will I'll be happy Start again And some of us need forgiveness I'll try to understand But I will I'll be happy So don't expect perfection Start again Oh, 
Well, there you go. Bit of a different start to uh, the podcast this time. That's a, is that a new song? What's that song, Brian? Uh, welcome to 2022 and tell us about Start Again. Well, it was a song I started writing a long time ago, um, probably about 12 years ago, and then I couldn't finish it. I just got stuck, so I sent it off to Lock and Ronnie Gonzo in Sydney. Yeah. And I said, see if you can finish this for me. And he did. And then in I did in 2016, I think, when I did We Will Rock You, I went in a hot house and recorded it with uh, Maxi War and Craig Harneth and um, Greg Bederick and that. And I just had it sitting around there. And then I thought, actually, that song's probably the most appropriate lyric I've got yeah. about for where I'm at the moment. I'm starting again. I'm going to be happy. Um, and I thought, well, I don't I just put it out there so yeah. somebody can listen to it too. Oh, good. So, no, that's, that's a good song, really good song. No, thank you. An appropriate way to start uh, the new year. Ho, 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 and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, how is 2022 looking so far? Well, it's, um, I tell you, I'm still healing from the fall on Sam Inman's boat. I've still got bruises on my face and stuff, so that's, you know, it's, at least it's healing, so that's good. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I've got COVID. Um, uh, my son has got it and he was staying with me. He went to some big New Year's Eve party. And now he's officially got it. But right. the thing about it is he did a rapid antigen test. The rat. The rat. And he was <laughs> negative. Yeah. And then he did another one and he was negative. And then when he did the, the other test, no, he's positive. All right. So I've done one rapid antigen test and it was negative. But from what I can see, they only work unless you're really fanging it with the symptom. There must be two versions. You buy you buy one in the shop that gives you a positive, one that gives you a negative because it seems to be all over the shop, seems to be incredibly inconsistent. Well, from Jaws, we're going to say we're going to need a bigger rat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And worst of all, yeah, I saw The House of Gucci. Oh, no, that's worst that film. Worst movie ever made. Oh, yes. Now, I've heard that. It's I've, dreadful. Well, why did the question that I'm asking you is why did you go and see it in the first place? Well, on the trailer it looked all right and I was, yeah, and I just thought, oh, well, this might be something a bit different and it was. It was a movie that clearly they had no script. (laughs) Um, They didn't have an editor because nothing was left out. It just went on and on and on and all of these scenes that didn't do anything to tell a story I hated all of the characters. It was fair to the most shit film I've seen for, well, this year. Is, the only one of them. Uh, who's in it? Anyone of note? Yeah, Selma Hayek, uh, Al Pacino. Oh, okay. Um, Adam Driver, who's, he's just so unlikable. And uh, Lady Gaga. Oh, and, uh, yes. Lady Gaga, she's, she turns into a horrible person. By the end of the last time, I walked out on the film. Because oh. it was so cold in the in the picture theatre, it was like they had the air conditioning on for five hundred, and there's only ten there, so it was freezing. I always take a jumper to the theatre, but yeah, I should have taken a blanket as well. <laughs> but she looked like Joe Pesci towards the end of the movie. Oh, really? She oh, looked geez. like a little <laughs> Italian boy. <laughs> she, she looks. She's got a fat ass, and she must be wearing a fat suit or something. But, yeah. Um, and Jared Leto's in it too, but it was just oh, right. feeding him pox. Yep. Okay. There you go. Okay. There's the Leonard Bolton uh, of uh, 2022, feeding him pox. 
Birmingham for the, Pops. For the Gucci movie. Now, we had a great show today. We're going to talk later on to a couple of blokes who are involved in a band called The Bluesberries. They've done a song about Manus Labashane, uh, which is cool. very, very clever and very well done and for a couple of terrific charities. So we're going to talk to them a little later on. But our, our feature guest on this one is someone literally uh, – I didn't get to the stalking stage. I went bloody close, I reckon, um, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get this bloke to come onto our podcast because we're both massive fans uh, of his – uh, yeah. And his work as a, uh, as a as a young actor coming up through Hollywood when we were growing up, uh, and I'm talking, of course, about Danny Bonaducci. Danny Partridge. Yes. Me and Wayne Carey were sitting in the spa bath and Kirsty Marshall had her tits hanging out. Dirted Bosnich on the coke <laughs> and Edward's on the bong. We were nearly out of drugs when Warnie's mum came along. Hey! <laughs> This is the Partridge family theme, of course. Who Come wrote on that? Now. <laughs> pissed everybody. We're getting shit faced. Uh, you should have seen that to Danny when we did the interview because he would have loved it, I reckon. Well, he might have. Well, he doesn't like a drink anymore. So. No, not anymore. We're going to talk to him about that. We talked to him about a, look, a, a, an amazing range of things that we actually talked to him about. David Cassidy obviously came up. We talked about uh, his radio career, which has been, you know, so incredibly successful for him. You brought up uh, the uh, story in his book about his first sexual encounter. Oh, yes. I'm back amongst the bush. <laughs> I, I, da, 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 a little on the tush. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was the uh, great trepidation when you introduced that to, to the uh, to the subject matter. I thought, oh, here we go, we're going to be in trouble, and it got a bit hairy there for a while. But it did get a bit hairy, <laughs> but I think it was all right. It started out that way. It was always hairy. <laughs> uh, we talk about because we do. We recorded this interview pre Christmas. So he talks about what he's doing for Christmas and stuff, and uh, a bit of cooking stuff, and wrestling people, and fighting people, and all. Oh. Oh, sorts of stuff, so. He's a fighter. I've been watching some of his fights. Yeah, no, great. very funny stuff. So uh, we've got Danny coming up in just a tick. Reminder about our great uh, podcast partners, though, Murcots. Uh, they're back with us for 2022. We're really happy uh, that that's the case. Mark oh, Lane and the team there are terrific people. Give them a call, 1300 555 576 or just jump on the website, murcots.edu.au and, uh, and build a better driver, you know, defensive, advanced driving. It's all there and it all comes together in you being a, a, a better person on the roads and we all need that. If I want to learn to drive a tank, can I go down to Murcotts and um, they'll sort me out? Yeah. Always have I'll, to be I'll, a... I'll probably have to take my own tank down there. <laughs> yes. It's a bring, there's, if you look down the they, bottom, right down the bottom of the website on the left-hand corner, yeah. just underneath, you click on that thing on the left-hand corner, it says, bring your own tank. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll have to see if I can borrow an old Centurion off uh, from Pakapanya. They've got uh, they've got planes and they've got helicopters and they've got uh, bazookas, but you have to bring your own tank. Damn it. Yeah. Just, oh, well, just a small thing. Mark, Mark Lane's working on it. Don't worry. Mark Lane I'll just go to the bazooka range. <laughs> <Yeah>. now, <I> <laughs> <think>. <laughs> we'll fix that up. Let's get into our guest, our first guest uh, for 2022. Uh, much sought after, and now we finally got him. Uh, and uh, let's uh, let's have a listen to this great little chat we had with Danny Bonaducci. Your beauty. Oh, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, great. Thanks for joining us. It's just so I'm great to have you on the show. That's fantastic. Home. <laughs> no, it's it's fantastic to have you. Oh, well, we, tell us what you're doing now. The the Seattle radio thing that you've been doing for a long time now is, uh, and, and you're, you're very well ensconced in Seattle as a human being and as a performer. Yeah. For the last ten years, I've been the morning show at uh, 102.5 KZOK, 
And it's going great, man. But I'm I'm retiring in three more years, and that's it. every time I go to retire. Well, I feel like that guy. Every time they get out, but, um, I feel like every time it's time to retire, they say, "Here, here here's some money. Take this money." And I do every time. But in three years, I'll be five, and I'm good to go. Fair enough. Are you doing any boxing lately? No, for God's sakes, no. There's a good school of thought. I never did any boxing anyway, just being a thug. My wife, uh, I told her, I said, you know, and she had seen me fight a couple of times. And I said, you know, the problem is I'm a terrible boxer. She said, you're you're a great boxer. And I I, I said, no, I'm a thug. And she said, no, you're a great boxer. And I said, if I walk into the ring with a gun and shoot the other guy and he falls down, am I a boxer? And my wife said, what are you talking about, lunatic? But uh, I don't, I don't fancy myself a boxer. Uh, I just, uh, Did you ever see the Jose, uh, Jose Canseco fight? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. He, I'm five foot six, one sixty five, and he is six foot six, two sixty five. And I'm, you know, I've done a lot of dumb stuff in my whole day. And this is nothing. I fought some guys. I don't know whatever it is. And they say, ladies and gentlemen, Jose Canseco, and I turn. And this behemoth is not only walking towards the stage with some real attitude, but people are booing him. I'm not a sports fan. Apparently, he's coming inside a traitor or something. He's a terrible person. Everybody hates him. And so we get in the ring. He's really, he's monstrous. And uh, he hits me real hard, and I fall backwards into the ropes, which catch me. And I come up. I mean, my eye is closed. It was terrible. And I think, he's going to be right here when I open my eye, and he's going to kill me. What do I do? And I went, and he didn't. He didn't follow me up. He's like the worst fighter ever. <laughs> so I ran up to. I ran up to it. His in his side of the ring, and I put my forehead right in his chest, and I went boom, 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 like six of them. And I looked to see what kind of damage I had done to this guy, and he was actually talking to somebody. After <laughs> <laughs> dinner, it was uh, horrifying. But they called it a draw, and I think that's because before the fight, we're getting do it, the press is up, and I said. Uh, you know, it'd be stupid. I'm going to beat you. You're going to fall down. You're giant. So here's the thing. If you can't knock me off my feet, you lose. And the second that was over, the, well, that was a stupid thing to say. And he didn't. He didn't knock me off my feet not once. And then I think I think I retired after that one. <laughs> didn't you fight Donny Osmond and Greg Brady, obviously? Donny Osmond. was Donny Osmond, and I didn't train. I didn't, I didn't know what boxing really was. I just thought, I'll kill this guy. It's Donny Osmond. <laughs> So I came out of the ring and I had a drink holding it in, my, in, the, in the mitts like this. And I had a girl holding my cigarette so I could smoke on the way to the end. I'm going to kill Donnie Osmond. I'm just going to kill him. And the bell rings. I run across the ring and I beat him and beat him and beat him. I mean, this was bad. And we're not that far up in size. This had to have hurt. Beam, beam, beam. And he goes like this. When it's over, he goes. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have my ass kicked by Donnie Osmond. I'm going to move to Thailand. So yeah, he was the first one. Greg Brady was not the last one, but that was that was fun. I dropped him seven times in that fight. And they kept pushing him back in the ring. It was like, do you hate Greg Brady? Why do you keep pushing him back in the ring with me? So I took him. I took him a quick twenty-five grand in case you're interested. And uh, I I beat up Greg Brady. What thing most people want to do? What what what's prompted the um the rivalry between you and Greg Brady? Was it just the two um, shows or? Just the different shows, and you know, uh, I consider myself the king of all has-beens. And I would do the has-been thing 
I'd go to has-been places and do has-been things, and Brady was always there. The only difference between me and Brady and all the has-been stuff is he doesn't like being called a has-been. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, goodness yeah. gracious. Did you fight Dennis Rodman or did you wrestle Dennis Rodman? I wrestled Dennis Rodman. He's a cheating bastard. <laughs> uh, I'm not kidding, man. Here's how this happened. I'm, uh, I'm on the radio in Los Angeles and somebody says something about Carmen, uh, Carmen Electra. Yeah, Carmen yeah. Electra. And I said, she is so hot, but I would never have sex with her. And the other guy said, why? I said, because she had sex with Dennis Rodman. No, you can't count the things that woman could give you. And the phone rings, and it's Dennis Rodman. And he's mad. And he sounds mad. And I said, what? And he said, how about if I just come down there and beat the white off you? Which is the most interesting thing to say. I think it's adhered fairly well, but all right. Uh, and so I said, okay, I'll take your challenge. Why don't you drive down here and beat the white off me? Be right now. We'll meet in the parking lot. We'll meet at Denny's restaurant, whatever you want to do, and I'll kick your ass and I'll go home. So it all goes back and forth. Dan Rodman, who's a hundred feet tall as well, he's got so many piercings in his face he can't go to the airport contector, and uh, he never showed up. He didn't show. Up. I said he knew. Him. Then I get a call from Hulk Hogan, and Hulk oh. Hogan says, "You want to fight Dennis Rodman?" I said, "Damn right I do." And he said, "Well, you got to do my wrestling show," and I did. And it was all a big setup, but I did very well. And it was with, here's got to say how you got the job. Uh, I go to do. I go to kind of do the first episode. We're gonna all wrestle without any knowing how to be wrestlers. And I'm on so many steroids, I can make a horse go faster. And <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I have no body fat. and just veins everywhere. I mean, if I weren't five foot six with red hair, I'd have been scary. So I go in, and they said, okay, we all wrestle. They said, all right, go to the dressing room, come back, and we'll see who made the team. And I'm standing there. You know, you get to pick a personality. So I'm in a huge black cape. It was awesome. And black sunglasses. And as they're talking to me, this blood comes down from my eye and trickles onto my uh, cheek, and they go, okay, and the winner is Danny Bonducci. I said, and Hulk Hogan looks at me and goes, hey, that blood coming down on your face, did you do that? And I said, yeah. (laughs) How'd you do it? I said, a nail in the dressing room. And I just just kept going until it was, and he said, oh yeah, he goes to me exactly this, man, you picked the wrong profession. You should have been a wrestler. And I said, give me a chance. I'll be a wrestler right now. (laughs) (laughs) But you're, you're a black belt karate, you said, right? Third degree black belt in karate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. It doesn't come in handy that often. <laughs> Fortunately. Not if you're wrestling, I imagine it would be okay. How's your bass playing going these days? Still playing the bass? Uh, it, I still have the bass. Right. David kind of challenged me to play bass for once in my life, to play real bass, real thing on the part. And I said, or on my show, my concert show. And I said, all right, I'll do it. And then he didn't give me a bass. I had to go buy a bass because David Cassidy made me. <laughs> so I learned how to play. I think it was Doesn't Somebody Want to Be Wanted. I'm not really sure what it was. But I learned to, I learned to play bass for a single part of Charlie show. It was awesome. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, what was the years like on the show? It was a great show. And you were you and um, Dave Madden, I thought, really made that show. I thought it was great too. But I made a, a promise to myself about 17 years ago to get rid of all Partridge Family things from my past and not even discuss them, no matter what, I wouldn't say anything about Oh, it turns out I still have a lunchbox. I must (laughs) want to talk about Partridge Family. (laughs) I've been planning that for 15 minutes now. Uh, What did you ask me? Your time uh, with Dave Madden on Partridge Family, because you and him, I thought, were just hilarious. 
And, See, um, a lot of people thought the same thing. Dave Madden and Danny Bonnucci or Ruben and Danny, that was the way to go. Everybody loved it. People did. And then David Cassidy got kind of jealous and said, he wants to do it. Put me in that relationship with Danny Partridge. And they did, and it just didn't work out for anybody. But it was, you know, it was nice that jealous, uh, David Cassidy was jealous of me. Ruben. <laughs> jealous of Ruben. I still laugh at the um, one where you were becoming a comedian and you're doing the jokes in between the songs and Bum went up to a parking meet and says, wow, what do you know? I weigh an hour. They were so dumb jokes, but they were so funny. They were funny. And I believe the, the comedy writer, the sleazy comedy writer was Maury Amsterdam, made famous by the... Um, Dick Van Dyke. Was it? I think it was Dick Van Dyke. Maury Amsterdam was Dick yeah. Van Dyke, yeah. My wife was running in to help me out. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Now I want to want to go go right back uh, and talk a little about Bewitched uh, yeah. is another show that uh, is massively huge here in Australia, and you were, you were part of that for a little while, for a very short amount of time before the Partridge Family happened. Because a lot of people don't know that you did stuff before the Partridge Family. This is where, I, you know, I'm trying to talk about my career. I did this and I this, and it's great. And when I say this, everything stops and people say, "My first gig was." A movie with Elvis Presley. Yeah, wow. Uh, It's called The Trouble with Girls. And unfortunately, it was before the internet, and I can't find any of it. But yeah, me and Elvis, he, here's where you get to think I'm a liar, but just wait. He gave me a Cadillac when I was seven. Pretty good, huh? Wow. He had a stack. They were all push cards. And he gave (laughs) a lot of kids in that episode of that show. We gave everybody a push card Cadillac. It was very cool. You know what? I didn't get to talk to him too much, but what I did was awesome because I knew that was Elvis Presley. It wasn't like, oh, what is that? how important is this? I knew that's Elvis Presley, the king, and it was awesome. Wow. Have you ever yeah. kind of, have you ever worked out what the mannequins in his caravan were about? He had bits and pieces of different mannequins uh, in his caravan? How do you know about that? Oh, well, I guess well. I've said it somewhere. Yeah, um, he had... Legs sticking out of the wall, and the uh, he must have been a leg man because the faucets in his trailer were also legs. But it's really, you know, today you'd walk and think, Well, that's an axe murderer, we have to arrest that guy. He's a crazy person, nobody's safe. Look, it's Elvis Presley, hide your daughters. But uh, it was just awesome that he even wanted to talk to me, it was just great. Yeah, wow, I'm blown away by that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, so you know what, I don't know too much about you guys and what you do and where you do it. Well, we're uh, Brian's. A, Brian, I'll, I'll tell you about Brian. Brian's a, uh, a singer in a band. A, a ba- he had a band in the eighties called the Uncanny X Men, which were hugely successful in this country. Had uh, about three or four top ten hits and had a very good uh, musical career for a number of years. And these days, he uh, runs around with a couple of other singers from bands of that era, and they do uh, some shows around the place. He actually did one yesterday, yeah, which is why he sounds croaky. With Elvis, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, I You're never did a movie up. with Elvis. <laughs> no, you can't beat that. You know, you've done a movie with Elvis. That's yeah, uh, you win. That's uh, easy. It's, and Kev's an axe murderer. <laughs> he kills people on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> Um, do you still run around and do and do random signings of albums in record yeah. stores? Because I know your wife Amy is a, is a, a vinyl collector. A vinyl collector, and you know the coolest thing. Well, many cool things. I don't you know. The coolest thing about Amy is she's a fan. You know, there was a, a while that uh, we ran around just trying to spot Tim Curry. And I said, "How do you even know who Tim Curry is?" You go, "Oh, he's the greatest." 
<laughs> she goes, let's drive by his house. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll drive by a Tim Curry's house. We drove by. He was outside. He looked and he went like this. And I said, we can't, I know that guy. <laughs> Hopefully he's going to figure out, was that really Danny Bonadici driving by my house? But, you know, at third I thought it was kind of weird, but it's, it's so much fun. She took me to Liverpool one time to go walk in the Beatles. She's a Beatle maniac. And as we're walking by, there's a tour guide across the street. And she goes, hey, Amy, how many times have you been to Liverpool that the tour guide know your name? But it's, you know, it's really fun. We're, we, uh, she went to see Mark Bowen's uh, monument in England. Oh, she's, yeah. a, she's a big, big fan. She likes being a fan. I like her being a fan. Yep. Yeah, cool. When I uh, met her, I was 48 and she was 24. And I was rocking. Now she's going to turn 40. And I'll tell you what. She's, I'm not concerned about it at all. Somebody turns 40 all the time. I'm 60 years old, but it made her a little nervous to be 40. <laughs> so you know what she did for her 40th birthday? She went to see Harry Styles. Are you having some kind of collapse? What do you think she did? And I was going to go with her. I've gone to 100 concerts with her. Uh, she, you know, being married to a fan is really fun. Cool. So, who are you a fan of? Who who are the who are the kind of music artists and the and the and the, I guess the movie people that you had that a feeling for? Well, I will tell you this: that you know, I was young and I was uh, one of the stars of a powerful series. So, I started going to concert with good seats relatively early. I saw Leonard Skinner when I was maybe yeah. 13, 14. I saw uh, I saw Led Zeppelin when I was fourteen. I saw uh, a lot of shows. So all those guys. Hendrix, uh, you know, you just got to love him. Plus, most of my musical education comes from David Cassidy. I remember we were uh, doing on the first musical number of the Partridge Hour, this big, ridiculous bass. And I'm going like this while trying to have to show you. I'm doing this on the bass. <laughs> I don't really know the guy. We just got hired. He walks up and he goes, you don't strum the bass. You pluck a bass. Can you pluck, kid? And I was mortified that I didn't pluck right. But... Uh, we had to be pals, and he told me all about Hendrix and a lot of others. Muddy Waters, he was a big fan of Muddy Waters. Was it, and, you know, like David Cassidy was there for some uh, very important times in my life. He was there when I got the job of being Danny Partridge, which, you know, uh, the reason I say I'm king of all the has-beens, what am I going to do bigger than being the guy in the Partridge, Charlie? I hope to do great stuff, but come on, that's the one. Let's just face it. And uh, David just taught me, you know, you got to know these things. You got to know Hendrix. And the one thing he didn't say is learn to play, which, thank God. And then I'll give you a, an idea of how he was always there for me. In 1990, I got arrested, and this was a big one. I've been arrested for some trivial things before. But this was big, and this was horrible, and I was going to go to jail for it. And David Cassidy called the judge, called the judge, and said, hey, listen, uh, I think, I think David, Danny Bonaduce deserved a second chance. What I'd like to do, Your Honor, is take him on tour with me and then get him a job. And the friggin' judge said, yeah, who turns a guy over to David Cassidy? But, so, uh, so he said to me this. He said, listen, I've always thought you were funny, but now you're becoming the joke. Don't be the joke. I want you to come on tour with me, and we'll go stop after stop. You'll always go on the radio, and when we get to the end of it, somebody will give you a good job, I promise. All right. So, so I, I, I said, what are we going to do? And he says, all right, listen. You're going to get on the bus, which is an outlandish thing. I'm going to get on the bus with David Cassidy. This is the greatest, greatest moment of my life. And he says, now, here's the thing. We're going to get on there. We're going to give you a job. But first, there's going to be no drugs, no alcohol, and no women. I said, I'm not going. Why would I ever go? Why would I ever go? <laughs> <laughs> to me. But I took it, and sure enough, by Philadelphia, I had a job. Morning show guy on uh, Eagle 106 in Philadelphia. It was amazing. Yeah. 
You were, you got a couple of jobs in Australia too, didn't you? You you did some Tonight Live stuff down here, and you were on the Today Show down here as well. Well, I, I hosted. I did. Uh, yeah, I did them all. I mean, Australia's been very very kind to me, and uh, I did them all. I did this thing. What was it that? What was that guy's name that did the Steve Weizart? Wonderful guy, by the way. He said, "Hey, man, you seem like you're really good at this. Why don't you host my show for a week?" And I did, and it was so much fun. It was it was awesome to do. Uh, I got to be the first one to make this joke. I walked out dressed as the Pope, and I looked at the camera and I said, "Fight the real enemy." And I tore up a picture of Sinead O'Connor. Well, that joke <laughs> made it all the way around the world. That was like I had two minutes. The other thing I did that was kind of fun on Vizard show is uh, I just said, well, this show's live. It's called Tonight Live. Let's see how live it is. And I started calling people named Partridge. I thought, this would be funny. We'll see how many people are. And then the phone rings in here. Hello, Danny. He was, the lady was watching. I mean, the second I dialed, she picked up and was watching the show. It made me a little, a little nervous. But it was just such a good time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Australia's always had a, a, a very fond, uh, you know, feeling for you. So the, um, and that's obviously been reciprocated, which is terrific. Uh, and it really has. I've been uh, threatening to retire in Australia for the last like ten years. And every time I do, your good luck. Every time I say that's it, we're retiring in uh, in Australia. Somebody gives me another job for more money, and I don't come. And now I would come. This one would be great. But this is a a major thing. My mom turned ninety seven. Wow. And at ninety seven, you have to go. This could be your last Christmas. You have to be home. She's been pulling that card for 10 years. She's been old for a decade. <laughs> she's 97. 10 years ago, she was 87. That's a totally old person. But this time, I believe him. And uh, I think I better be there for this Christmas. So well, yeah. so you're talking about retiring in three years. To do what? What, what is it that you haven't done that you, you can do in retirement? That, uh, or are you just tired of the early mornings that radio does to you? Because it, 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 it kills you. Yeah, the mornings are, are harsh. You know, it... Uh, and I've gotten this thing in the last couple of years that I wake up in a panic that I'm not made for this anymore. You know, and it's four hours live. And I, I take literally no notes. I walk in and start. And uh, I keep waking up going, oh, my God, they're going to catch me. I'm terrible at this. What do I do? So by the time I get to my office, which is about 10 feet, I feel all good. I get on the treadmill. I've been doing that around four in the morning. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's, it's a grind. Yeah, yeah, it, it's hard. Now, I believe the, the one thing I, that I love about radio, and I've loved about radio, I've been in it since I was 16 years of age, is that you can wear whatever you want to wear. You don't have to dress up. And I believe you are the tracksuit king of Seattle. <laughs> I've got a lot. I've got a lot of tracksuits, and they're very fun, and I really dig them. As a matter of fact, I had, I got a Bangor jumpsuit. It was beautiful, a tracksuit. Oh, yeah. Then I put a bunch of gold, fake gold uh, uh, chains around my neck. And I, anytime anybody talked to me, I go, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> Nobody got it. I was just some loser middle aged man in a tracksuit. <laughs> Nobody got the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you uh, you did you did a couple of things. I want to talk to you about. You, you got banned. I mean, you've been arrested. All that stuff's happened. But the controversial moment that a lot of people in Australia would know about is that you did a you did a record when you were twelve years of age that got banned. I did because of the suggestive nature, salacious nature of the lyric content. Okay, here's the thing. They were right. This is just <laughs> maybe because I, I was young. I think I'm twelve, and I did a song called "I'll Be Your Magician." And it went like this, I'll be your magician. I'll touch you softly with my magic wand. That can't mean anything else. That means that. 
and then there's the roofie part of the song says, once you're under my spell, hey, I'll make love to you. Hey, roofie songs with 12 year old, not a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I know you've written you've written your book, uh, your biography, which which Brian's uh, Brian's read, and there you go, Brian's got. Nice book. Um, Did uh, you care for it, Brian? I loved it. It was really great. Well, I loved it. Um, that was difficult. Well, I think you should write another one because um, it's so good. But actually, you know while I'm contemplating writing another one, I think it'd be yeah. Here's I'll answer your your question, Kevin. I'll write another book when I retire. There you go. There you go. No ghostwriter to a note. No, no, never, 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 never. So they said, you want to write a book? And I think we'll, we'll give you a hundred grand up front. And I said, well, that's often. And they said, I think you need a, a ghostwriter. And I said, uh, all right, I'm busy. How much do they get? And they said, 40%. Are you high? Are you high? <laughs> sit down with a stranger talking about, I can talk about myself. And I did. You know what? It came out uh, okay. I think the book came out okay. It's a great book. One review. That's really good. It's really good. Um, you actually talk about the first time you made love in this book. Yeah, well, I'm not sure and that's what you At the caravan, she's looking for David Cassidy. Yeah. And it was quite bushy, I believe. How was the 70s, man? What did you think it was going to be? Take a weed whacker to that thing just to find out where it, it goes. It goes into this detail of, my God, that's bushy. <laughs> it's so you funny. Know, it's it's know, such a great I didn't know anything against that. I was like, I thought, okay, all beavers are going to be like that. What do I do? That's the process. And then the eighties came along and everybody started waxing, which really was very. Nice. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. <sighs> you should do, you, do. Do you still want to do like your own tonight show type thing? I know you've done all those things, but kind of where you sit now with, with the, the I hind. I wanted to do it more than anything else in the whole wide world, but. You know, you also have to be, you know, I think I could do it. I think I could do the monologue. I think it, it could interview guests. But, you know, a 62-year-old, a 63-year-old talk show is just, I, I take my walker. So they know that this was difficult for me. Uh, but, yeah, no, I don't really want to do that anymore. No. Have you, have you done everything you wanted to do? I mean, is there is there one little box that you didn't get to do that, that you want to do now or, or that you just sort of yeah. said, no, bugger it, it's not going to happen anyway? Megan Fox. That's about the top of my list. I've never done. <laughs> There's the answer I wasn't expecting. <laughs> um, what about acting? You, you, do you do still act? Yeah, for yeah. Time? Uh, I don't do a lot of it. I'm, I'm up here in Seattle. But here's another thing, Ken. Can I call you, Ken? Yeah, you can. Um, thanks. There's another thing I, I want to do is, you know, I'd like to just get out. And, I'd like to stay up late. That is one of the things I would like to do, to stay up past 11 o'clock, which I probably haven't done in three years. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm fairly uh, – I've got my plans pretty straight. But, yeah, I would I would do a lot of things differently, but I wouldn't stay up late when I retire. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You're permanently bre- – breakfast radio, morning radio, you're permanently jet-lagged. That's the only advantage of it is is when you fly overseas, you don't get jet-lagged because you already are jet-lagged. You know what? That's that's pretty true, to be honest with you. I, I noticed when I was there, and I've been to Australia maybe three times. I'm not sure, but you guys, I was talking about how cool you are to me, and uh, I'll give you a, give you a thing, an example. I wrote a show after Breaking Bonaduce, and Breaking Bonaduce was so horrifying. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't even hold my head up high. So I wrote I wrote a a, store, a a show for me to show I'm an okay guy. And it was called, I Know My Kids, The Next Superstar, or, or something to that effect. 
And when I went to pitch it, my agent said, nobody's going to let you around children. Are you kind? Did you watch your show? Nobody's going to say, hey, little Bobby, meet Danny Bondici. You know, study your lines in the dressing room with him. That's not a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but so I wrote the show, and you guys bought it and flew me over there, and uh, I couldn't do it. I had a radio show and more. And they said, well, work it out so you can do it. And I said, okay. And here's what I did. Like in the uh, actual show, I'd say, Bobby, I think you're going to be fired. And his mom would flip out and tell me why I'm wrong. Well, we didn't have a lot of time for that. So I went over there and I just did this. Bobby, you've got a lot to give, buddy. Hey, Cindy, you know, if you do that, that'll be great. You know what, Junior, you're going to kill. And I just faked it. I just did. Like, I just talked to people who weren't there. And it was better than the American version. It was really good. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things I will tell you that, you know, people think I've lived large. And I haven't necessarily when it comes to money. You guys bought me a, a first-class ticket to Australia, $22,000. Right there on the ticket. And that was, what, 20 years ago now? Like, $2,200. I'll swim to Australia for $22,000. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what's Christmas uh, the, in 2021 for you, Danny, for you and Amy? All right, I'll explain it to you. Seattle, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, Los Angeles, Sacramento, California, Seattle. So we got lots of families that we got to say to. So we're not not having a vacation. We're going to Mexico. Then I'm going to come back. I'm going to see my mother, which will be spectacular. Then I'll see Amy's mother, who's a wonderful human being. And then we'll come back here with days to spare. You know, I'll have three days off before I go back to work. It's, it, this is a great season for me. Yeah. Well, you have time to do Danny Partridge in a pear tree? I was wondering if you think of that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how that started. It wasn't, it wasn't a good time. So I don't even know how they got a hold of me, but I don't have a dime. I'm broke. I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I'm famous. You ever been a, like a famous uh, busboy? It's a really weird thing. Hey, aren't you that guy? You just take your soup. <laughs> um, so somebody said, you know, there's a, a Kmart in Kentucky that will give you $500 to sit in a tree. Yes, yes, I will do that. I, will think of it. I got the joke. I wasn't that drunk all the time. So I got to wherever the hell it was, and I sat in the tree. And people come up, and I'm answering questions, and this kid raises his hands, and he goes, did you really sing on the show? And I said, well, and I just flew back out of the tree. Oh. And they, uh, Target, where it came out, still paid me, but they weren't thrilled that I got drunk and fell out of their tree. <laughs> It's like a Billy Bob Thornton bad Santa moment. That's exactly what that's like. <laughs> uh, hey, goodness. Uh, and I don't—I mean this in a good way. I think this guy is really handsome, or came out to be really handsome. Who, who do you look like to me? It's, uh, who's the guy in Stand By Me, the famous one? Hey, honey, you up here? What's that guy's name that I don't River like? Phoenix. River Phoenix or Jerry O'Connell? Jerry O'Connell? No. no. Who's Phoenix. the guy I don't like? The guy that swears he's been manhandled by all of Hollywood. Oh, Corey Feldman. Corey, Corey Feldman for the winner. You look like Corey Feldman to me. Do you know that? Is that oh, yeah. no. Oh, I've got to take the glasses off. <laughs> no, you look like a man. He's a good kid. He's a little crazy, but he's a good guy. He's got he's the funny, he's got the ear burned off in Stand By Me, hasn't he? Yeah. I didn't he's, ask him a lot of questions. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> he, was a, he was on heroin. I was drinking. It was a weird day out for all of us. <laughs> how, um. Maybe the internet of Corey Feldman's name. I like that guy. How, uh, okay. how is, how is uh, the sobriety of life these days, Danny? Is that, is that a good place for you? 
No, I hate it. Yeah. Well, I want to drink right now. Ask me one hard question. I'll start drinking immediately. <laughs> I still love it. My, my life has gone, you know, a lot better since I had wonderful things. You know, people want to be around me. And I, my, my boss isn't thinking about fire. It's great. But there's not a moment of the day that I don't want to drink of some kind. Yeah. And now it's been almost 10 years. Wow. Wow. Well done. Yeah. Well, you, you, you uh, Brian, you look like an alcoholic. You drink? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, um, you do. It's great. I'll be having a beer in about, it's it's only about yeah. quarter to ten here, but I'll be having a beer straight after this. If there's any kids watching, do uh, what we, don't do what we do or do what we do. Actually, I'll, I'll probably have a couple of beers and I'll get straight into the drugs. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, think, I think that's the day organised. It's just alcohol yeah, and drugs. It's, and um, hopefully it'll turn out and I'll get my own radio show like you. Yeah, you can do that. It's a, it's yeah, a good thing in 1990 yeah. when you were down here you didn't bump into Brian because it, uh, I, I'm not sure that either of you would have survived. Uh, that would have been fun. a big – I had a lot of fun, man. Uh, yeah. they, gave me, they gave me this cool hotel – that the top floor, the entire top floor was uh, Prince. Which I'm staying in the same hotel with Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very cool. Pretty yeah. cool it's for Prince. Where they put all the famous people when they come to Australia to do something. Omar Sharif was there. How bitching is that, Omar Sharif? <laughs> wow. 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 I'm in a hotel with Omar Sharif. Did he hit you up for money? Because he's known for botting money off people. He's a bit of a no, tight he, ass. No, he did not. But he said, do you want to buy any of these people? I <laughs> thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> who, um, who, who, do you, who do you get Google-eyed about? I mean, when you, if, if someone was to walk into your radio studio now and say, we've got an interview with so-and-so, would you, you go weak at the knees with anybody? Or are you uh, kind yeah, of... Uh, yeah, are you kidding me? I don't know what I would do to spend time with The Rock. I mean, I do know what I do, and I do it. That the, the Rock, he seems that he's amazing. Uh, Keanu Reeves is a good. I know I, I've met Keanu Reeves. That's fair. Um, he, we're at the Rainbow, which is weird. We were both way too old to be at the Rainbow, <laughs> and he had this girl. He's just making out with her. And I've never met this guy in my whole life, and I said, "Hey, get a room." And luckily for me, he thought that was funny because I realized he just turned into the biggest star in the whole wide world. But he thought he thought that was funny. So um, let's see. I don't know who I'd go for. Uh, Let's see. Any of the Rolling Stones. If any of the Rolling Stones came into my, my room, except yeah. for uh, the drummer, uh, I, I would go crazy if it was the drummer. Charlie Watts. <laughs> yeah. I recently, you know, uh, well, I recently saw you uh, when, when Charlie Watts passed. You said uh, you, you had almost like a front row uh, seat to uh, watch him work. Side I did, stage. I did. And, uh, they, they asked me a couple of questions about Charlie and uh, – I met, I've been in the same room with him. And I said, he is the heart and soul and the heartbeat of the Rolling Stones. And I believe that then and I believe that now. Yeah. Yeah, don't screw with that. Hey, you still doing Orange and Delicious in your kitchen? <laughs> uh, no, we haven't done that in a little, because right now there's a sponsor on my show. I want to make that clear. These guys pay money to be on my show. Uh, they're called Omaha Steaks. And they send me like a hundred steaks. I mean, I have a bunch of steaks. So I've started doing straight up cooking segments. That's what I'm doing. It's replaced the, I, I made, I made, hold on to something, beef wellington. And it came out great. Not only crusty on the black, on the top, but medium rare in the middle. It was spectacular. Oh. Thank you. That wasn't easy to do. It isn't even to know you want to do that, but I did it. Yep. Uh, well, your culinary skills, obviously. I saw some of the uh, orange and delicious. Apart from the fact that it's orange, it actually did look delicious. 
It, it's it's totally, you know, it's funny. Like you do those things, you don't really think anybody's going to watch them. And if you think, well, they're, you don't think they're going to watch them on Australia. You don't think they'll watch my weird little cooking show. So uh, I said, you guys treat me well, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um. We've had a blast having a chat to you. We, we've uh, so th- thank Amy so much for for setting this yeah. up because I've been hounding the bejesus out of her for a few months now to, to try and get you, and because uh, we really wanted to have a chat with I you on our show. Told that to me. She told me that you know several times till we got had time to do this. So I appreciate the interest, you guys. You know, <laughs> it's hard to go. What's Danny Bonaduce these days? They're out of time. That's reason. but I am not, and I'm <laughs> loving you guys. I couldn't be more thrilled that you thought to interview. Thank you very much. No, oh, look, our pleasure. Thank you. Thrilled. Thank you so much. 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 out. Believe me, I'll put my mind to it. We need a lot more help than that. <laughs> Your mother ever tell you to look both ways before you cross the street? Of course. Mm, Too bad. (laughs) Yeah? Danny Partridge here, Mr. Kincaid. I've got to talk to you. Danny, I thought I told you never to call me here. In bed. Don't you ever sleep? This is an emergency, Mr. Kincaid. Something's happened that can change your whole life. Again? I think you better get on a plane and fly out here right away. It's not something we can discuss over the phone. Look, kid. Would you put your mother on? No one in the family knows about this yet. That's why I've got to talk to you, to plan how to break it to them. Your voice hasn't started to change or anything. No, nothing like that. Mr. Kincaid... Please come out. It's really very important. And there's no one else I can talk to. Okay, okay. I'll be in tomorrow. Thanks. I'll be grateful to you for the rest of my life, even if I live to be 30. Goodbye. So there's Danny Bonaducci with uh, with Dave Madden, who we mentioned, Ruben Kincaid. Uh, you, know what I, you know what I'm always looking back and trying to find a couple little bits to play for the show? The incidental music they used to set up drama and comedy bits in that in that show, I don't know who did it, but... He had a wonderful sense of humour. Did he? Because oh, it was all that kind of, you know, there'd be that thing where they try and set the dramatic music. The dramatic music sounded like something that Bucks Fizz recorded. Do you know what I mean? Oh. It was like instead of that, it would be, it would be something like your phone message thing. Yes, uh, something like that. That's uh, what it would sound like. See, we were trying to set some drama up there and then the music came in. Right on cue, Brian. Beautifully done. Now, Brian, you're going to sit this one out because I caught up with a couple of blokes. Uh, their, their band is called The Bluesberries. Paul Beard's one of the members of the band. He's been musical director for the likes of uh, Robbie Williams and James Blunt and uh, he's done stuff with uh, Lily Allen. So he's, he's a very credible musician. Uh, so he's got together with all these blokes, including Dan Fallon. They're called The Bluesberries. They've done a song about Manus Labashane, who, of course, is yeah. the number one batsman in the world at the moment. So they've taken the old, remember the old, Bert Camphart wrote this song, but the biggest hit that we know of this of this song, to the two versions we know, is Wayne Newton's version and Ferris Bueller's version of Dunker Shane. 
Ah, la la Exactly. So oh, you're, in for a, good. you're in for a treat when you hear it. Uh, like so we're it. going to talk to the two boys. And it's going, the, the, the money raised from this, 100% of the money raised from the sales of this uh, are going to two fantastic charities, one of which you know a lot about, which is the Steve Waugh Foundation, because we spoke to yes, Steve on this, on this podcast. Steve, he, that's a really good one, that, because it helps um, people that have a, say, a child that's got a, a disease that isn't widely recognised. Yes. He helps them, which is a great one. And the other one is the Chapel Foundation, which uh, helps at, uh, you know, disadvantaged and, and homeless youth. So uh, two two terrific charities. But let's yep. get to Paul Beard and Dan Fallon. They're members of the Bluesberries, and then we'll play you that uh, that version, the new version of uh, Darker Shane, which is, of course, La Bouchain. La Bouchain. Paul, Dan, tell me uh, the Bluesberries for a start. Give us a little bit of background on, on the on the group. Yeah, so the, the Bluesberries is an 11-piece band. Uh, they're Sydney-based. Uh, a lot of the guys have been playing together with John Field in, a, in an outfit that has been going for, for many years. And uh, John Field was formerly of the Cockroaches and is probably you know one of the most experienced and raucous front men in the country. Oh, yeah. Uh, written, a, written a lot of songs for the for the Wiggles. It's just a... Just a actually, he was a level uh, a cricketer and a first class uh, a cricketer great swing bowler actually oh, um, and so he's, he's got a great love of cricket so there's uh, John and uh, Bronwyn Mulcahy who's a musical theatre star Tour of the World is a musical theatre star and is also performed with In Excess and she's a great singer in her own right we've got uh, people like Dave Hibbard on drums who's played with the hands and Jimmy Barnes and the Bad Loves Rowan Lane on bass, one of the top blues players around, who's good with Rodriguez, uh, who's you know been in Guy Sebastian's band and played with with Nick Acosta, and got his own album coming out this year, instrumental stuff. Really wonderful player. We're all sort of good friends. I, I put this band together with with Paul Beard, who's really become a fast friend of mine since he moved from. From the US, actually, from California at the beginning of COVID, at this crazy couple of years that we've just had. And he moved with his Australian wife, Vivian, and um, we met on a single that another friend, mutual friend, and I wrote and, and recorded last year. And we just sort of, I don't know what the word is, we just, we just hit it off and on a personal uh, level, but also on a musical level. Yeah. And, and Paul, Paul, Beard is one of you know the, the the world's top touring musical directors, one of the the, the, the top uh, um, producers in in the UK, and uh, and we've got him here, and and uh, I plan to keep him here. <laughs> oh well, there he is. Look, he's on, gonna, he's on the line. Not, he's been listening to this, and his I head's know, been swelling. I could just keep listening to this. This is great. Carry oh, on. Just, no, it's all true. It's it's all true. It's oh. all true. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we put this together for another a mutual friend who's who sort of joined in. He's more from the business world, and we've sort of brought him into the musical world. And he's a great lover of cricket, eh, and John McMurtry. And he originally had this idea to um, to to put some fun words to uh, Dankishan, which is an old uh, Bert Hanford classic. And turn it into Lambishang and uh, Lavishang, which we still can't pronounce. And, um, <laughs> and so we come, up, we come up with this 
with this project, which has just been a breath of fresh air. It's just had such energy and it's for a couple of really important cricket-based charities. Anyway, I'm going to throw to Beardy. I'll stop talking. I'm very excited about the song. Love the band. Love Beardy. Over to Beardy. Oh, well, we, thanks, Dan. We, we, we have. I mean, the, the, the main thing is that we have a really great time together and the vibe that we've been sort of creating over the last year. I mean, we've had a couple of projects on the go. Which one during the sort of uh, the first sort of COVID wave involved us driving around in a car together, sort of talking about our musical adventures, sort of spiralled into us uh, putting this group together, really. And um, the main sort of thrust of, of this track was to try and create something that had a real party atmosphere to it. We wanted people to have a good time with it. Uh, obviously, tell the story of, of Manus Labuschagne's history with the uh, Australian test side and give everybody a bit of a riot as well. So, uh, see, it's far we, more. Uh, see, it's, it's far easier for an Englishman to roll Labuschagne off his tongue because you're, <laughs> yeah, he does much better than me. Well, it, because you're so much more used to stealing Af- South African cricketers <laughs> and, and putting them in your national side. <laughs> oh, that was gold. That was gold. You walked into I, that one. That's lovely. I knew this was going. There's, there's so many, uh, there's so many pitfalls attached to this. Being a British, a British person trying, <laughs> trying to do this. We ended up in the, in the, uh, in the bear pit yesterday with a, a group of people known as the Richies, yeah. who uh, dressed up as Richie Bano, and, and Dan and I went down there to see if they'd be up to uh, singing the track with us. And uh, we, we first of all got completely castigated for not wearing a wig or a jacket. I think we were about. <laughs> 300 Richie Banos chanting at us. It nearly backfired horrendously, but luckily we managed to find the chief Bano and uh, he graciously set up a situation where we had the trumpeters playing the main riff from, from the song that we've come up with and we had everybody chanting it. So oh, beautiful. It's, uh, it worked out, but it's definitely a, a moment of consternation on people's faces when they realise there's an English bloke trying to get everyone singing a Australian cricket hero song. So uh, it's definitely a weird one. So, Paul, out of the people you've worked with, who's most likely to do the cover version of uh, Labuschagne? Robbie Williams, James <laughs> Blunt, or Lily Allen? Uh, I think it's going to be a duet between Lily Allen and James Blunt. And I'm, uh, I'm going to get straight on the phone to them after this and encourage, encourage them to donate to a worthy cause. <laughs> uh, the one thing you've done is once you hear it, and I mean, I, I grew up with Duncan Shane. It was a, a early 1960s um, hit for Wayne Newton was the, uh, the biggest version yeah. here. Uh, but once you hear the words Labuschagne sung to Dunkershire, it just stays in your head. It's just, it's there. It's just rolling around there at a million miles now. It's brilliant. I, I think there's, there's always a, you know, it's always a winner when you can sort of piggyback on a song that's already a hit. And, uh, you know, let's say John McMurtry came to us with the idea of changing Dunkershire into Labuschagne. Uh, we can't pronounce your name was always the joke. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think there's already been a sort of, rich history of everybody trying to come up with different pronunciations. I believe in the in the dressing room, he's known as loose bus change. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, we, we sort of tried to, tried to fit in as many different versions as we could. And as uh, and, and as Dan mentioned, it's for two great charities, the, the Chapel Foundation, which works with um, homeless youth, and, and the Steve Waugh Foundation, which uh, which works in a most unusual area, um, enhancing the lives of, of kids and families who, who suffer from very rare and, and not highly publicised uh, illnesses and diseases. So two terrific charities. Yeah, You've done yeah. a great job. No, it's, it's great. Our big challenge is to get uh, the, the Chapel Brothers uh, and Steve Ward to uh, learn the dance moves together and try and <laughs> that. 
it's really wonderful to see um, our ex-cricket stars setting up these types of foundations and, 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 and supporting the community and supporting people. It's just, it's just a great example. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there's, a, there's a, a passion and a love for cricket. And it's also great to celebrate, uh, celebrate great talent. And Manus is, is just been a revelation since uh, he came on at Lords to replace Smith after that steering Jopra Archer bouncer yeah. that uh, hit his head. And he's averaged over 60. He's now rated the, the number one uh, batter in the world. We, we get to celebrate someone who we think is, you know, tremendous talent, have a bit of fun, raise some awareness and, and hopefully some money for, for these great um, foundations. And then kick off a band that, you know, we're, we're hopefully going to be out and entertaining people across Australia. We've got some charity uh, gigs coming up, God willing, COVID willing. Yeah. Um, and are you working <laughs> on a version of Manus in blue jeans? Uh, so, you know, you follow up. <laughs> we, one of the ideas we've got is to start bringing in Christmas carols. We're going to look at next year trying to collaborate sort of uh, sporting Christmas carols is uh, one of the ideas we've got. <laughs> be great. <laughs> be terrific. Hey, gents, congratulations on this song, but uh, well done, uh, you know, not only a, a great song and just a really timely, obviously, with the cricket on at the moment and all that, but uh, the charities you're helping out as well and uh, and uh, getting you boys on stage and having a good time at the same time entertaining the public, uh, win-win. Thanks so much for, for, for that support and it's great to, to share a bit of time with you. Thanks for the call. Uh, no, pleasure. And did you know there's a, a Bluesberries, which is a 12-piece kind of jazz folky outfit in Austria? Yes, well, uh, <laughs> as soon as we can get our yodeling outfits together, we're going to go and join those guys in a super Bluesberries group. <laughs> oh, goodness me, the, blue, the, blue, the Bluesberries <laughs> brothers, it'll, it'll have to be called, I would have thought. <laughs> Pack some later, Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. bit of thigh slapping and off we go. <laughs> Beautiful, thank you, Paul. I like that beer thank, anyway. th- thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, mate. And uh, and, and, and to, to both of you, best of luck. Thanks so much. Cheers, Thanks mate. Lovely to talk to you. That was the moment I reckon people thought this kid has got something about him, and we like it. You know, he played his game how he wanted to play it. You were sweet, I
So there you go. Now, you won't be able to get that out of your head now. It'll be... Labushin minus Labushin. I said that a few times, actually. What's that? You won't be able to get that out of your head, actually. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. But, uh, I saw it in a porno movie. <laughs> yes. Right. com is the uh, is the name of the website. So, uh, you know, do do your bit. You're helping the Chapel Foundation, the Steve Waugh Foundation at the same time uh, and uh, and having a bit of fun with a, a song about Manus Labuchain right. from the Bluesberries who will be on tour so you can check out uh, all their touring dates uh, that they've got coming up. So thanks to Paul and Dan for joining us on the program. That's about it, Brian. But before we go... Yes. I want to play a little bit out of uh, what you'll hear in full in our next episode because our next episode, oh, yes. I've got Elvis. you got the king. I got I'm the king, baby. Uh, not that Elvis. Not that Elvis. <laughs> I'm not that no. good. Um, no. no, Elvis Costello is going to join us Elvis. to talk about his new album and it, uh, I've got to say it's called The Boy Named Diff and it is bloody terrific. It's a great album. Yeah, it's it really, really is. If you're an Elvis Costello fan, some of these songs could have been on the albums that came out 30 years ago. I think it's the imposters playing with on this one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it's so. It's his original band again, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's got some really great songs and some great lyrics. And um, and one of them, the one I really like, is the, is the first track on it, which um, it sounds like the Beatles are playing guitar and it just sounds like a 19... It was like it was recorded at the Cavern in 1963. It's, yep. it's, it sounds really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's a terrific album. So we uh, we have a chat coming up with Elvis that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. And here's just a little a little bit of Elvis talking about where some of the songs that he writes actually come from. So, you know, sometimes your cues are coming from real life and sometimes they're coming from other art forms. You know, they're coming from films or books or overheard conversations or road signs or... Mm. You know, mottos in crackers, you know, anything can set you going, you know. It's amazing, really. It's like uh, if, you, if you keep note of things and keep track, there's no telling where something quite insignificant. I can look at a page of newsprint and I can see titles in it. It's sort of like, feel like a bit like Russell Crowe in that film about mathematics, you know, what's that film called? A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, Beautiful Mind, yeah. yeah. I see patterns. I see patterns like that. I see things. They, they can almost kind of become hallucinate, hallucinations, you know? I can see sort of three words in a whole page of newsprint and that will, I'll see the title in the middle of that piece. There you go. The uh, Elvis Costello interview in its entirety talking about this uh, new album, The Boy Named If, and it really has got some terrific tracks on it. Uh, I've I've fallen in love with the album, to be perfectly honest, uh, since we did the interview. And you'll uh, get to hear it uh, in uh, about a week's time uh, when it comes out. So uh, you can catch Elvis talking about the tracks on it and uh, various other things as well on the on the chat we've got for him in the next Life of Brian uh, podcast. Now, thanks to Murcotts, a terrific podcast partners, one 576 Just jump on their website and uh, I'm sure they'll be uh, happy to hear from you and you'll be happy that... I've got a tank, Jeff. <laughs> I'm just lying down in my now. It's a T-34. It's a beauty. Righto, smartass. Put it in reverse. I want to hear what a tank sounds like in reverse. <laughs> oh, you've got to get an Italian tank to hear that. Italian tanks have 12 gears, one forward, 11 reverse. <laughs> 
right, that's uh, that's uh, life for Brian. Uh, dot 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 Mannix. That is. Hope you've enjoyed uh, Danny Bonaducci. Thank you so much to Danny and to his lovely wife uh, Amy, who set it all up for us and uh, put us in touch with him and uh, made it all happen. So we we really do appreciate that, and we really loved having a yeah. chat to him. Yeah, he was great. You look after yourself, you COVID suffering rock star. Oh, COVID face beat up. House of Gucci. <laughs> what else could go wrong? 2022's off to a flyer. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs>